Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray, shall we, as Daniel gets ready. Um, yeah, let's, let's just close our eyes and ask the Lord to come and move. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you. We need you to move in our lives. And we thank you for what we've heard. We thank you, Lord, for what uh, we've heard in Portugal, Lord. And will you continue to uh, bring many people into the kingdom. And Lord, for us here, Lord, we ask for a breaking into something new of God, something fresh, Lord. You have a purpose, you have a plan, Lord, and you have a people. And Lord, we pray, Father, that those three things would be seen, Lord, to come together in this place, in this church. Even now, Lord, as we um, listen to Daniel, and we pray for him, that the Holy Spirit would speak through him powerfully, Lord, and that you would anoint him with all that he needs. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord. Amen. If you've got your Bibles this morning, if you want to open them to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to look at chapter 1 this morning. And it's so encouraging just to know that God is speaking to us. And it's a challenge not to just run away with some of these thoughts but the picture God gave my heart earlier is that God wants to come and do something but we can be like people who are trying to avoid the surgeon's knife but the surgeon has to come and do the work in our hearts and I encourage you this morning that as God comes and speaks to us that you don't seek to just avoid the thing that he's going to do. You don't put up a shield against what he's bringing, but you're open, as John said, willing vessels to receive because you realise that when the surgeon comes to do heart surgery upon you, that's how you get the new heart that he wanted to give. But if we read in Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 16 to 20. And it says, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. I don't know if you realise this morning that God is calling you. God is calling you. And it might be that first call that you've never heard before in your life. That you've never heard the voice of God. You've never known a relationship with God. But God is calling you. Or maybe you've been on this road a long time. But God is calling you. He is calling us back to himself. He is calling us to his purposes and he is the God who calls because we look right from the beginning Adam, Adam where are you? 
follow it through the scripture. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. With David, he said, where is that, where, is there another? Go and call him from the field. We look at the disciples, how he called them, and then even the, the Apostle Paul, where he said, Saul, Saul. And that is the word of God, that God is calling you this morning, and he's looking around, and whether he's saying, Alan, Alan, it's easy, there's three Alans sitting together, so I can look at them and just say, Alan, Alan, Alan. God is calling you. But put your name in that place. And do you believe that God is calling you to himself and to his purposes this morning? We look at this scripture. And it says that he's passing along the Sea of Galilee. And he's finding these men. And what are they doing? They're just doing their daily business. But you know, God is never surprised where he finds you. God is not surprised by where you are this morning. Because you could be in your heart in many different places. You might be really right, primed and ready to, to follow God this morning. You might be thinking about 101 different things and you're, you think I'm nowhere this morning. But God knows where you are this morning. And he's not surprised this morning where you are. He's, God is not caught unaware. He didn't, he's not unexpected, but he knows where to find you. And maybe this morning you're thinking, I'm not ready to be called by God. Maybe this morning you're thinking, you know what, my life's a bit of a mess, you know. But I have a word this morning that your situation does not exclude you from the call of God on your life. Because you might think, God, you don't know me. And again, if you read through the story of the scriptures, you see so many times that people said, but, 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 you know, God, God, let me just fill you in here to the picture because maybe you don't understand. I'm, I'm the youngest you know, there's plenty more bigger than me. I, I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel. You don't, you don't understand that, do you, God? Do you not know what family I'm from? My family, we don't do that sort of thing. Or maybe the woman who said, do you, he doesn't realise I've got five husbands. Maybe there's something in your life this morning that you're thinking, but Jesus, if you only knew... This is a thing that excludes me from your call. I want you to know this morning that God is not surprised and he is not unknowing about where you are this morning. He sees you right where you are. He knows right where you are and he is calling you nevertheless. Because you know where God calls you is not where he leaves you. But when God calls you, he's going to lead you into something new. Because the God has sought you. And I don't know this morning if you think that if you've come here seeking God, but I want to tell you that you came here because God is seeking you. 
We often think we're the ones doing the searching. We're the ones who are pursuing. But we realise that God has gone before us and he's, he's there calling us to himself. And, and maybe this morning you don't know why you're here. But it's because God is calling you. And he's calling you to himself. And the call of God is a real simple thing. And I love this about the scripture. As I said, he's, we think, what's going on in this story? It says Jesus is passing along the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is just having a walk. The call of God is a simple thing. He's just having a walk by the sea. And he sees Simon and Andrew. And what does he do? Follow me. Maybe I, come on, follow me. Probably didn't whistle. <laughs> so simple. The danger is we live in a society that maybe we, we, we expect something more than simple. I know, uh, I didn't watch it, but I understand that Britain's Got Talent was back on the TV last night. And when you get the call in one of these shows, whether it's Britain's Got Talent or The X Factor, you go out and you do your, your talent, you sing your song, and then there's the moment of judgment, and then they build up the tension, and then it comes down to Simon Cowell, and he's got the deciding vote, and he goes, oh, I don't know. And he goes, you're through to the next round, and then the music comes on, and it's all a fanfare, and you're through, and... And the danger is sometimes we can expect the will of God, the call of God, to look a bit like that. That we're thinking, oh, the music's going to play. My soundtrack's going to come on. There's going to be a voice from heaven that's going to beckon me. A light will shine upon me and I will ascend in the clouds. And God is going to call me. But it's not often like that. Occasionally it is. The Apostle Paul had it a bit like that, but he got knocked. Well, he didn't get knocked off his horse, I learned yesterday. But he got knocked over, for sure, by the light of God. But often the call of God is a lot simpler. And again, we have this, this thing where I thought it's not an Insta call, if you think about your Instagram. People take their Instagram and it's all set up nice and perfectly. You have your coffee turned that way around, your Bible just aligned in the sunlight, and you put some filters on it just to make it look perfect. But you know, the call of God is often quite unattractive. He came to Simon and Andrew, and what were they doing? They were casting their nets. They were working. Think about it. What, what would they have been like? We understand later on that often when they were doing that, they probably would have been half undressed. What would they have smelt like? They would have stunk of fish. It's like, Jesus, can you come back when I'm a bit better presented, you know, when my hair's looking good, when I've had a shower, scrub my nails, I'm looking good. Can you come back and call me when I'm a bit more prepared, a bit more ready? But Jesus often comes in the unattractive. And it was funny, this morning, just this morning, I was thinking, I'm going to get up and I'm going to seek the Lord, I'm going to Go for it. And, and you know what? I had a, a terrible night. I had a, ch a child who wet the bed and I, 
And in the morning, I thought, was that even a dream? Did I even actually sort that out? And I did. I don't even remember it. I had a dream where I had a car crash, and then I got a parking ticket. And I was like, this is terrible. And I woke up, and I was like, you know when you have one of those dreams, and you wake up, and you're still carrying the emotion of the dream? And I woke up, and I was like, oh. And I've got a bit of a cold at the moment. I was really a bit groggy, and I was like, I didn't even want to wake up. I was like, no, I was expecting the call of God this morning, you know, where the light shines through the window, and I'm like, and I spring out of bed, and I'm like, Lord, I'm ready today to go and serve you and do these mighty deeds and miracles. And I was like, Lord, I can just about stand up. So you're fumbling around. It wasn't like glory. It was more like... The call of God is not always as attractive as we think it might be. But God is calling us. And, and you know, in that moment, God spoke to me. And I don't know if this is a word, because there's a call of God going out to me. But one of the calls of God, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because it's great when we get a call, we say, we're going to go and do this, and you're like, yeah, I'm ready. But what about when you're not ready? What about when you're tired? What about when you're ill? And what about when you're just unprepared in yourself and in your heart and your mind, and there's 101 things going on, life's a bit crazy. There's still a call that allows you to come and to be in the presence of God. Because he's not saying, come and I expect all of this. He's saying, come and I will give you rest for your soul. The call of God is coming for us today. And the, I want you to not miss the call. Because I wonder in our story where Jesus is walking along the, the seafront and he's calling these guys to himself, I wonder if there were any others. Because I doubt these were the only four fishermen there that day. And even this morning, we've had the call of God. Are you willing? Are you willing to be a vessel for the Lord? And you know what? Some will hear, and some will say yes. And some, it will just pass you by. I bet some people on that beach that day never knew that the Son of God was walking past them. And that the Son of God was looking for those who were available and ready for him. It's funny, the other day I was thinking, I wonder if we realise sometimes what people are carrying upon them. And if we realised whether we would take full advantage of that thing. It's just a side thought, but do you realise that in you is the answer of life? That Jesus says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, that, that you have it. And I, I think you said it yesterday about Richard and Demona, didn't you? That they, these guys can lead you to life. Do you realise that? Because you might think, oh, I didn't realise I could do that. But you carry something. And it just reminded me of that bit. Jesus was walking along. I wonder if people missed the fact that the Son of God was walking along the beach. And it looked so simple. He didn't have a massive entourage. 
He didn't have a PR campaign going on. He was probably just a guy, every day looking, walking along the beach. But when the Son of God speaks, do we hear? Because this is the call of God that's going to lead us into eternal life. And my heart for you this morning is that you don't miss it. Lord, will you give us ears to hear? When the call of God comes, the call of God, when we receive that call, do you know, it, it redefines our very existence. The call of God redefines our very existence. And we, we heard this, I think, when John spoke last week. He touched on it as well. You know, it says that God gives us a new heart. I was saying about the heart surgery. The heart surgery is not a patch-up job. It's a new heart that God gives us. It's a new life that God gives us. And so when we hear the call of God, we must realise that that call is going to redefine us. And if you've responded to that call of God in the past, I wonder this morning, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Because maybe you were something. We all have a past, don't we? We all have something we were. Even for me, when I became a Christian at 13, I still had a past. I had a heritage. I had a family. I had a background. I had an education. I had my cares, my worries, my burdens, my sins, all those kinds of things, even at that age. And so how much more will we have it later on in life? But as I said, do you not know that who you were is not who you are once Christ calls you and you respond to him? Because he's given you a new identity. He looked at Simon and Andrew, he said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He saw what they were doing. He saw where they were. They were fishermen. But he was saying, if you come and follow me, I'm going to do something new in your life. I'm going to redefine it so the thing that you were is no longer the thing that you were, but I'm going to make you into something new. But the trouble is, often we come to God and we say, yes, I'll come, but then we expect to stay where we were. Not realising that God has called us as something completely different. I say completely because they were still fishing. Just what they were catching was different. And so in some respects, maybe it's got a... What you, God calls you to is, has a, a semblance of what you were doing, but now he's going to call you into something new. And I wonder if too often we don't realise who we are now are in God. Because we think, and there were many like this, who came and followed Jesus and probably heard all the good stuff, heard all the blessings, maybe even were healed, and then just went back to exactly what they were before. But if we just go back to exactly what we were before, then that's a sorry existence in my mind. I didn't come to God to be the same as I was. I came to God because I needed something different. 
And are you now living in that new identity? Now, if we, we, we reel the, the, the scene forward, we go back to, after Jesus has raised, we remember that Peter and the others went back to fishing because they lost their way, they lost their identity. They, they didn't know what was happening anymore because Jesus has died and what's, what's going on anymore? We can do that, you know. We can say, yeah, I know my call, I know what God's calling me out of, I know what he's calling me to. And then we have this habit of just slipping back into how things were because maybe that's where we feel comfortable or maybe that's, that was our identity and so we kind of know that. But Jesus reminded them on that day, on that beach, that he, they weren't called to be fishers of fish, they were called to be fishers of men. And maybe there are some this morning who need a reminder of your identity your new identity in Christ. Because God this morning is giving you an eternal purpose. Because there are many things we can do with our lives, but do you realise that God has an eternal purpose for you? You know, the great thing about this verse, read it carefully, it says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. You know, it's Jesus who will do the work in you if you respond in obedience to him. Because maybe God has called you to something and you think, again, like, that's, that's too much. I can't do that. Again, don't you... Again, Jesus, are you not, do you not, are you not aware... I didn't pass my exams. I didn't get any GCSEs or O-levels or whatever it might have been. You know, Jesus, I, I wasn't very good at school. You know, Jesus, I, I don't have the support network around me. I don't have any contacts. You know, I'm not part of that crowd or I'm not part of that family. <laughs> But do you realise that when Jesus calls you to do something, he is the one who will make you become the thing he has called you to do. All you need to do is follow. Because as you follow, he will make you and conform you into those things that he wants you to be. So God is calling us and he's defining us, he's given us a new identity. But do we realise that when the call of God comes... What it requires is a quick response. It says here, when he called Andrew and Simon, it says, and immediately they left their nets. And then he called James and John. It says, and immediately he called them and they left their father's Zebedee. Immediately. Are you quick to respond to the call of God. When God tells you something, are you quick to respond? Because one thing I realise is often we can be in this position where God says something and then we try and think about it. We're not thinking about, did he say it? Because we have to discern, is this God speaking or is it not? But they knew it was God speaking. They knew it was Jesus calling them. 
But sometimes when God speaks and we think about it and we, we toy with it and we rationalise it and we eventually kill it. Because we're not quick to respond. We're not quick to obey. Because to be honest with you, if we think through the logic of some of the things that God is asking us to do, we'll never do them. Come and walk on water. Yes, that's the response. If the other response is, let me think about this. I, I can't walk on water. That sounds like a rather bad idea to me. We'll never do it. Because God will call you to do things that are far beyond you. And the reason is, is because the thing he's calling you for is for his glory. It's not for yours. He's not calling you to do things that are in your capacity and capability. He's calling you to do things that only he can fulfil in you. These guys could not be fishers of men. They were probably not educated. They, had been, they would have been the ones who had left the, the schools at probably 13 or something like that and gone to work. But God was saying, I'm going to give you an identity where you're going to be fishers of men. Will you respond? And it says, immediately they left. And when we think about this, we start to think about the cost. Because you have the call, but then you think, when you actually then begin to look at it, you realise actually with the call there is a cost. Because what did they do? What were they doing when they were called? Now Andrew and Simon, it says, for they were fishing, sorry, they, they had cast their nets into the sea. So you've just cast your net into the sea, and Jesus says, come, follow me. But, but Jesus, my nets are just in the sea. Do you not know that? My nets are in the sea. I just need to come and do, finish the job that I'm doing. I need to pull in the fish, I need to clean the nets. Then what about the others? They says, they were mending their nets. Jesus, Jesus, I'm just in the middle of something right now. And maybe we like to tie up all the loose ends. Like me, like if, if, I get really frustrated if you sing a song and don't finish it. Like I, have to get, like I have to sing to the end of the song before I can actually, or the chorus or the verse or whatever, before I can move on to something else. I like to have my loose ends tied up sometimes. But Jesus is sometimes saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you do that. But do we miss the call because it's just, but I just need to do that. And again, you think of, of what was happening. Who, who pulled those nets in? I don't know. Someone, they left it to somebody else. Now you could think, well, oh, that's a bit rude. That's a bit inconsiderate. What about James and John? It says they left. Poor old Zebedee standing in the boat. He was standing there and they're like, see you, Dad. And they're gone. Now, Zebedee probably had this great plan. You know, Zebedee and Son Fishing Corporation. But it's all of a sudden, that dream's been blown out of the water. Pardon the pun. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we have our sensibilities. And God has been telling me, you know what, you need to crucify those sensibilities for my call. Because God will ask you to do things that are against custom, 
that are against convention, that people will think, oh, that's a bit rude. You know, look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, to most people, would say, well, he's a bit rude. Let me just spit in your eyes. You know, if, if, you, if I said, all right, okay, we're going to have healing now. Come up, and I'm going to heal you. <laughs> would you still come? You know, it cuts across. But Jesus did that. Are we willing to cut across some of those things? Or do we want to, you know, hold it nicely packaged in a box? I want the call of God to make, you know, God's called me, but God, could you just confirm it? Could you confirm it again? Could you confirm it in writing? Could you confirm it uh, through one brother? No, two brothers. No, three brothers. Could you just confirm it? You know, we just want things in this nice way where God's like, come on. Will you respond to my call? I wanted to read you. Um, I don't know if you uh, read, have read this before. My utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers. Um, I've been a Christian 27 years. It's taken me this long to get around to it. But all things are in their season. And today's reading, I was reading this morning, it just really struck in terms of what I was speaking on today. And, and it's about um, a king called Asa. And it says, Asa was not completely obedient in the outward, visible areas of his life. He was obedient in what he considered the most important areas, but he was not entirely right. So here was a guy who wasn't getting it all right, to be honest. Boswell Chambers says, Beware of ever thinking, oh, that thing in my life doesn't matter much. The fact that it doesn't matter much to you may mean that it matters a great deal to God. Nothing should be considered a trivial matter by a child of God. How much longer are we going to prevent God from teaching us even one thing? But he keeps trying to teach us and he never loses patience. Amen. You say, I know I am right with God, yet the high places still remain in your life. There is still an area of disobedience. Do you protest that your heart is right with God, and yet there is something in your life he causes you to doubt? Whenever God causes a doubt about something, stop it immediately, no matter what it may be. Nothing in our lives is a mere insignificant detail to God. And there can be things in our life that God is saying, no, you've got to lay that down. But we're like, I'm not sure about that. And we, we say, I think it's going to be all right. I think God's going to be okay with this. But in the back of your mind, you know that you're, there's something that's saying, You've got to lay it down. You've got to lay it down. And again, you can rationalise and say, well, it doesn't say so in the Bible. You can rationalise and say, well, everyone else is doing it. It's okay for everyone else. But you know, sometimes that God will call you to something that he is not calling everyone else to. And there are some things about your call that are specific to you. And so there are things in your call that you have to lay down that maybe everyone else can do. And this is where we get to the cost of the call of God. 
because it's costly to lay things down. And I know maybe there's that part of you, and it's a part in me, that is like, God's like, will you give it up? And I'm like, no! And the thing is, it's not even that important. In the grand scheme of things, sometimes we hold on to the most stupid of things. But God is calling us to lay them down. My kind of modern translation of Oswald's message was, if in doubt, kick it out. Because when we realise that with a new identity, what that brings is a new way. And this is what we seem to forget, that we lived our life in a certain way, and through that life we achieved certain results. And the reason we came to Jesus is we didn't like the certain results. We wanted something different. And the trouble is then we come to Jesus and we say, okay, I want something different, but I'm just going to do the same things that I did before. Which is completely illogical, isn't it? Yeah? Do we understand that? That you don't get a different thing by doing the same thing. And I like, there are things that you like. There are things that you like. And we love our comfort. But are we willing to lay it down? There are things we need to leave behind and cut them off. And for them, it was their their nets, their family, their business, their security, their homes. They had to lay them down. Because there was no way of responding to the call of God without doing that. If you want to turn back in your Bibles, there's a similar account in 1 Kings. It's a good time for a call, don't worry. 1 Kings 19. And this is the call of Elisha. And so 1 Kings 19, 19 says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. That's the equivalent of saying, come follow me. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. So he responds and says, let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. So he's got a but. Let me just go and do this. And Elijah says to him, go back again. For what have I done to you? which in my modern terms is like, kiss your teeth. (laughs) Kind of, I've just thrown my cloak on you and you want to go and kiss your mum and dad. I understand it, but the call of God is harsh. Sometimes. And he says, but he says, and he returned. So in my feeling, he didn't really do what he should have done. But he returned from following him. But what he then did, he took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them, and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. 
he burnt his bridges. He took his livelihood, he took his oxen, he took his, his, the yoke, so that's your wood, and he used the yokes as a fire to cook the oxen. And he's like, I've burnt that bridge. <coughs> Excuse me. The trouble is often we, we hedge our bets. We say, you know, well, I'll follow Jesus, but I'll keep this just in case. But Jesus is saying, will you go all in? Are you all in? Or are you going to hedge your bets? Well, we realise that when God calls us, the fulfilment of what God calls us to doesn't always happen straight away. That from that moment, he said, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they said, yeah, let's do that. Next day, what were they doing? Nothing much. Just following Jesus around. And probably for quite a while, they were just following Jesus around. Jesus was doing stuff. He began to do some stuff. And Jesus was doing all the stuff. And I wonder if there's some point where they were thinking, when do I get to do it? When, when am I going to do stuff? And you realise that God will give you a call that won't always see its fulfilment straight away. If we look back at the life of David, imagine yourself as, as David, the shepherd boy, who's, who's been called in from the field, kind of, and then you get anointed and says, yeah, you're the king of Israel. You're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that today. And then he goes back out to the field and carries on being a shepherd boy. And I wonder if there were days when he's thinking, I thought I was the king of Israel. And here I am, sitting on my own in a field, looking after some sheep. The calling and anointing of God was always upon him. But the realisation, the manifestation of it hadn't yet come. But in that period where David was in the field, and I wonder... I don't know when he killed the bears and when he killed the lions, but I wonder if it was after that point that God was teaching him. Because what he taught him in that prepared him for the next step. And then that next step led to the next step, and the next step, and the next step. He also then had to be on the run for ten years. And I wonder if those lonely days in the field looking after the sheep prepared him to be on the run for ten years. Because he knew how to camp out. He knew how to be alone. He knew how to forage, how to make do. Nothing in God is wasted in his training for us. But God will take you through a journey to prepare you for the call that he has put upon you. The question is, will you submit yourself to that? Because you know we can be, and I'm speaking to myself, we can be so impatient. And you know there was that day when David was, uh, was hiding in the cave and it was pitch black and Saul came in to relieve himself and he's basically standing there and the guy like, David, this is your chance. Kill Saul and you can become the king. And he's like, got his knife in his hand. He, he's like, I can do this. I can do it. All my problems are going to be over. But then in his heart he was like, I must not touch the Lord's anointed. And the thing is, we can so easily take into our own hands 
the call of God and not allow the timing of God to be fulfilled in our life. Because the truth is, if you circumvent the purposes of God, if you circumvent the training that God has in your life, then you will be ill-equipped to perform and do the thing that God has called you to do. And maybe there is something that God's put up in your heart and it's heavy and it's there. Sorry. And you're thinking, when's God going to do it? He'll do it. Remember what it said, that it's that Jesus made them fishers of men. They didn't make themselves fishers of men, but Jesus made them fishers of men in the right time. And God has a right time for your life. We must be patient in the preparation. But we also have to be active. Patient doesn't mean just sitting there doing nothing to say, well, when God does it, he'll do it, you know. I just have to sit here and wait. But God is going to give you things today that will prepare you for tomorrow. And things for tomorrow that will prepare you for the next day. And he says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. But also that we must be faithful in the small things. Because God is looking and saying, can I trust you with this? Because I cannot trust you with this until I see that you are faithful with this thing first. And there's so much that God is calling us to do today that we neglect and we say, no. But he's saying, I cannot do the next thing until you do this thing. I cannot make you into fishes of men until you leave your fishing nets behind. And God is patient. And I love the fact that God is patient because he's saying, I'm going to wait for you. But you need to do it. And I don't know if there's anything that you've been procrastinating with, if there's anything that you've been putting off because you're like, oh God, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to give that thing up. I don't want to change this thing in my life. Because saying, I've got something for you. I've got an eternal purpose for you. But you need to step into it. I talked about the call, and I talked about the cost. The great news as well, there is a consolation. It was interesting, we had our dedication yesterday, and it was for Nahum, and the meaning of his name is consolation, comfort. And the trouble is, maybe we need a bit of education because in my mind, often when I think of consolation, I think of the consolation prize. That's what you get when you didn't win, the consolation prize. But this isn't what we're talking about when we talk about consolation. So I looked up, and this is, this is some free education for you. It says, consolation is the comfort received by a person after a loss or disappointment. And you know what, when God calls you to do something, just as he called these four men in this, uh, this story, I'm sure the next day they were like, oh man, I miss my mum's cooking. I miss being out on the boat with the fellas. Wherever it might have been, there was a loss. But with Christ, he gives us a consolation. And it's not a runner's-up prize. It's the best thing you could ever have. Jesus liked to stir things up and when he said to the, the crowd, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, they all left and there was just kind of the few left. And he said, are you going to leave also? And they said, where are we to go? 
you have the words of eternal life. They had burnt their bridges. They had nowhere to go. They like, I was all in Jesus. You've got it all. I've got nowhere else to go. But their consolation was that he had the words of eternal life. And the truth is this morning, when you paint the full picture of the gospel, it doesn't look very attractive. Because the gospel says, come and die, give stuff up, and deny yourself for Jesus. You know what, as a sales pitch, that doesn't sound very appealing to me. But unless you have the revelation of God, unless you then come into the presence of God and the purposes of God, you will never understand that the consolation is God himself, that he gives himself to you, he gives you eternal life, and that is better than anything you could ever have had elsewhere. And only when you've tasted of it will you know it. Because it seems foolishness. For me to tell you that the best thing you could ever have will cost you everything you've got. But it's true. In Mark 10, Jesus says to his disciples, after, I'm going to read in verse 28 actually, Peter said, began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Because there would be points in your life where you're like, Jesus, I was all in. I've done it all. I've given you everything. And I'm not, I'm not seeing what I was expecting to see. I'm not feeling what I was expecting to feel. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or lands, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last in the last first. There is a mystery in God. That when you have come to God and given everything, he will give you everything back. And it might not look like what you expected, but he is our consolation. He gives us himself. It says in Luke 17 that if we seek to save our life, we will lose it. But it's when we lose our life for his sake that we find it. And maybe this morning that we're looking to save our life, we're we're seeking to find our life, find something, a purpose, an identity. He's saying, you've got to leave that thing. You've got to leave the nets. You've got to leave, maybe it's to leave your father standing in the boat and follow me. And maybe it seems like a great cost. Maybe it seems unattractive. Maybe it seems messy. But when you do, you will find eternal life. You will receive Christ with you. And they could have continued doing what they had done, but they would not have been with him. And you can continue what you're doing this morning, but you can miss the very presence of God with you every day. I want us to close, and as we do so, I just want us to think about what is it that God is calling me to? 
Am I following the call of God? Am I stepping into the identity that God has given me, this new identity? And maybe this morning you've never heard the call of God, and as I said right at the beginning, God is calling you this morning. And maybe you're thinking, I'm not sure. I don't know. It doesn't sound too appealing, Daniel. But I promise you, it'll be the best thing you ever do in your life. It doesn't always make sense, but it's the best thing. Maybe as well as we just are in our place before God, I want us to think about, are there things that God is calling us to cut off? Because he is calling you to something, but to get to that place, there are things you need to leave behind. And just as we have some, just a bit of quiet, that if God puts a word on your heart, maybe it's for someone else as well. I encourage you maybe just to share that. If God puts a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom on your heart, we can share that. But I want us just to be open now to hear from God and God say, what are you calling me to? What are you calling me to leave behind? And then I'm going to pray that the consolation of Christ will come upon us and we will know him with us. So let's just pray. Speak to us, Lord. Lord, by your spirit, will you reveal our, our identity in you this morning? Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Bring that revelation right now in people's hearts, Lord, this morning. You are not who you were. That is not your identity anymore. But you've been called into something new. If the devil is putting thoughts in your head and telling you who you are, you can say right now, that's not who I am. Tell him, that's not who I am. Tell yourself, that is not who you are. But you have a new identity this morning. Holy Spirit, will you come now and just put things on our hearts, those things that you're calling us to cut off, those things that you're calling us to leave behind and give us the faith to do that, the faith to respond. I encourage you this morning not to overthink it, but just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. If it's a thing that God has put on your heart, just say, yes, Lord.
and do it. I'll give too much time because then we'll overthink it. So I now just want to pray a blessing. If you want to receive a blessing, the consolation of the Lord this morning, I welcome you to stand and I'm going to pray a blessing upon us. Lord, I pray that you'll come right now by your spirit, Lord, and bring complete revelation of yourself upon our hearts and our minds this morning. Lord, that there will be no point of doubt within our hearts, but that we will know that you are with us. You said you will never leave us nor forsake us. But I am with you always. And if God is with us, then who can be against us? That God, will you manifest yourself in the hearts and minds of, of all those who are open to you this morning? May you come and bless, Lord, them in a way that will say that no cost is too high. Because what they will hold in their hand is that pearl of great price. that your presence, Lord, will be upon them. And as that song says, the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. Lord, I pray for a distaste of the things of this world to be on our lips. That the things that so easily pleased us will be bitter to our taste from now on. But I pray upon you a delight in the things of God. I pray that your scripture reading will come alive right now. That maybe it was dry and I pray now that God will bring it alive to you. That your times of prayer, though they will sometimes struggle, that God will reveal himself in a fresh way upon you. And in your life, as you live your life, that you will see the hand of God evident in every situation. May God's blessing be upon you all. May God, God's revelation be upon you. we would know he is with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. It's going to take up an offering. If you're visiting, it's not intended for you, so please feel free just to pass that on to...